Look, I think the thing is meditation is contemplative and contemplation by definition is not efficient. And so if you are living by this premise that busy means success, then obviously by definition, contemplation through meditation doesn't fit into that. It's like, what's he doing over there? He's not doing anything. He's meditating. He's just doing nothing. And of course, you are doing a great deal through meditation because you're re-energizing and rewiring the neural patterns in your brain and all these sorts of things. This is part two of a two-part interview with the CEO of Insight Timer, Christopher Plowman. Now, Christopher is not after any of the attention himself. He'd rather let the app speak for itself, but I got him talking. I wanted to know more about the CEO behind the app. So I asked him a bunch of deep and meaningful questions to get to know him that much better. Because, well, that's what I like to do. So here I'm talking with Christopher about how he struggles with a daily meditation practice and understands if you do too. How he believes strongly in the conscious business, but how many of them claim to be conscious get into attention with commercialism. What Christopher has to say about those who don't have time to meditate how one of their hopes at Insight Timer is to get 1% of the population meditating at the same time to hit the Maharishi threshold, to get the Maharishi effect. His thoughts on the importance of meditation and education in dismantling ignorance, how some of his greatest growth came from his biggest business failure, what his hope is for Insight Timer, and his moving yet simple statement on how we can all contribute to a better world. Now, just to legitimize the fact that Christopher was, in fact, recording from Paris, we organized for an emergency siren to join us towards the end of the podcast. There's nothing like a little bit of city ambiance to sneak on in. So if you are listening to this in a car, that strange international-ish siren that you might hear towards the end is not behind you. Safety first. It's on the recording. So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. hear about you starting to meditate and I want to hear about the Christopher that thought his brother was a little bit crazy when obviously he was a meditation teacher. Was it Nico that got you into meditation? Is that how you began this path? Yes, entirely. And it's very easy to get into meditation if someone who you sort of love and trust tells you it's good, right? If some guy off the street had have said to me, come and meditate, I would have just thrown him a dollar and kept walking. But Nico like me, was in the corporate world. He was building gaming technology and all this sort of stuff and just eventually got to a point where he said, I just don't like this anymore. And I just, I don't know, he just one day started meditating. He went to a meditation course and then went to India to Rishikesh and I was like, oh, my God, we've lost him. I've lost him. I love it. 
I thought he's he's flipped his lid. And then I noticed really in a very short period of time, maybe six to nine months, a complete transformation of him in all parts of him to the point where, you know, some of his friends now still today just sort of don't quite believe it because, of course, they're dealing with their own filters and versions of the world. And it's just been transformative in his in his, I saw it transform his life and so I got into it as well. And I, I definitely haven't I haven't gone as deep as him. Uh, I still think there is I, I think for him he's turned this into a vocation. So he's a meditation teacher. He's right deep into it, um, which is great for me, of course, because he's kind of out there leading the way. So I I learn a lot from him. Um, but for me, I'm still I run a company. I'm currently living in Paris. I've got sort of, I have a, I was going to say I have a normal life. That sounds like he doesn't have a normal life. He has a normal life. Yeah, you're uh, the everyday guy who, yeah, who I'm meditates. Yeah, running a business. It's yep. a startup. We've got 25 staff. It's just I have a different, so for me, meditation is a is a useful tool. It's not something that I've turned into a vocation. But I have, I spend a huge amount of time thinking about meditation and how we can use Insight Timer to accelerate the benefits of meditation because, of course, we've got two and a half million people on the app who are deeply loyal, deeply committed to their practice and really sort of enthusiastic about what we're going to do with Insight Timer over the next few years. But meditation for me is, is, is still just one of those things that I do each day. When I was in Bali, I used to go walking on the beach most mornings at six o'clock and then I would meditate. Obviously, it's here in Paris where I've just moved. It's raining and cold and I don't go walking anymore, but I still meditate. <laughs> so is Nico a teacher on the app? No, he's not actually. He's not. He's a, a Vedic meditation teacher, which is essentially a, a mantra-based meditation in silence. But I think he is about to upload a silent guided meditation, if you can get your head around that. It's just 20 minutes of silence. Bring it on, Nico. Yeah, no. So he – well, initially we were very careful not to – Insight Timer is a platform for meditation teachers and we never sort of promote one teacher over another. We allow the community to interact with teachers and initially we thought, oh, maybe it wouldn't be right for Nico to have his own teachings up there. And then, of course, we decided that's silly. The reason why we did this was to build a set of tools for Nico and so I think he's decided he's going to put a guided meditation up there. But it'll just be him saying, hello, come to your mantra, I'll see you in 20 minutes. <laughs> right, okay, so it's it's like a real timer. Yeah, it is. It's like a silent timer. So I think that'll be going up in a week or two. Nice. Being more of the average guy who uses meditation as a tool rather than a lifestyle, how would you recommend that the average show, the average, I guess, the female version of Joe, Joanna, how would you recommend they start a meditation practice? If it's not something they've done or if it's something they've dabbled with, how can they make it more of a sustainable tool or a lifestyle? Well, I think the first thing is just don't think about it in a mystical way. Don't think about it as candles and incense and chakras, even though chakras are great. <laughs> and some people I'm like chakras, some people not so much. Whatever. No, 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 no. I, I personally like them, but obviously it conjures up to the to a new person. All of these things sometimes conjure up a new agey type sentiment, right? And I always say, just think about it as time for yourself to sit quietly and to contemplate. So we're also attached to this idea being busy there's that great instagram post which is stop the glorification of busy you know it seems to be that if the more busy you are 
the more successful you are or the more interesting you are. And to me, now that's the complete opposite. So stop the idea that you have to constantly be living a busy life and actually just say, okay, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes a day doing nothing with my eyes closed, just contemplating, right? Now, of course, there are hundreds of different practices that you could do while you're doing that. And obviously, the great thing about Insight Timer is you can just jump on and find a piece of music. And that might in itself just be a great entry point into meditation. And I do know we have lots of people on the app who don't meditate, but they listen to music to calm themselves down or to go to sleep. And what happens over time is they then get curious and they start to explore more deeply on the app and discover true meditation. And the second thing I would say is don't get hooked into some app that's trying to sort of hit you up to pay for meditation at the start of your practice. I think this is a real problem. And I'll I'll talk about that a bit, actually. The big problem if you're first learning to meditate, if you use a lot of those other meditation apps, is they have a real conundrum in their business model, right? And the conundrum is they only get paid if you meditate. If you stop meditating, they stop getting paid, right? Now, this creates terrible dynamic tension because what happens is they start pinging you with notifications and say, hey, you haven't meditated today and hey, and this is just the antithesis of what you're trying to do, which is not be stressed and not be called in and not be reminded. You're actually just trying to sit and be contemplative, right? And that, you know, you'll never get from Insight Timer something that says, hey, you didn't meditate today. Of course, if you set up a reminder yourself and you want to be notified, you will. Um, But we don't make money if you meditate or not, right? We actually just want you to get on the app and just explore. And and I think that's very important. I think a lot of people who first want to learn to meditate will go and get onto an app and they'll get the starter pack for 10 meditations or something. And then at the end, it'll say, right, if you want to keep meditating now, you have to pay us a couple hundred dollars a year. And that's very destructive, I think, especially when someone's learning something new for the first time. So they're my two pieces of advice, right? Um, Don't think about this in a mystical way. Just think about it as spending some time for yourself in a quiet way with a piece of music or with a particular guided meditation. And the second one is don't sign up to an app that's going to start hitting you up with push notifications every day because they have their commercial interests to be addressed because that will start to stress you out. And that'll defeat the purpose of why you started in the first place. That's so interesting because I've been seeing this reoccurring theme for the last few months about trying to move away from the things we should do and that word should and moving towards the things that truly bring us joy, right? And I think about pings coming from your phone saying, you didn't meditate today and the guilt-inducing shouldness of that kind of notification, like you said, it's it's stressful and then you feel guilty because you're failing and then, and then you know, all of that just, like you said, takes away from the very premise of wanting to explore and be interested and curious. Yeah, some guy wrote an article. He was a bit cynical in my view, but he wrote an article in TechCrunch or Wired last week about the unbearable irony of meditation apps. But really, it was my ego reacting to the article because actually, <laughs> he's quite right. You know, there is a real, uh, and which is why I've spent some time this week thinking about it. And that's where I sort of reached this conclusion that if you're, if you're charging someone to meditate every day, I'm not talking about doing in-depth courses and learning particular topics and so on over the long term. But if you're charging someone to meditate every day, eventually, that company meets a crossroads where 
they switch from conscious to commercial. And that's not great for their users, for their meditators, because what this article was saying was that he's just sick and tired of getting messages from people saying, you haven't meditated today. And of course, the other thing that happens is around Christmas time, you get these terrible emails, which says 50% off happiness and, you know, two for one consciousness today and buy your mother peacefulness for Christmas. You get all of these slogans and sales pitches, which frankly just make me, they really do make me cringe. I'm being a bit harsh. You know, I just want to clarify, I think a lot of these apps have done a great job at introducing mindfulness to the masses and we should be thankful for that but yeah i just think that the commercial models are flawed in some way i hear you like that tension between commercial and consciousness and i think it's a really interesting way to think about it okay i want to hear more about you personally and your practice now you've just moved to paris right really recently so there's no more walks on the bali beaches no, there's not. There's just more croissants. And so if you take away your exercise and add croissants, it does not <laughs> a good outcome, mate. Um, so. so what does your meditation practice look like now? You mentioned spending a lot of time meditating and beaches, but it's raining in Paris right now. Do you meditate in the morning? Do you meditate in the evening? Do you do both? What does it look like for you? So my meditation practice has changed a huge amount in the last nine months. I was meditating before Christmas, at least once a day and hopefully twice a day, but sort of three or four times a week, right? I'm a Vedic meditator, which means I have a mantra and it's a silent meditation where you just sit, close your eyes, you meant to do it for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. And did I just sound a bit dismissive then, the way I said that? It's no, no, no. Like I was 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. And I was struggling with it. Because, you know, there was just some days when I was having my kids are annoying me or, you know, I'd had an argument or something. I was just like, oh, I can't be stuffed to go and do this. And then I'd have periods of time where I was very enthusiastic about it and would do it for, I think my record was 150 days of twice a day. But I knew I couldn't maintain it every day. And so I essentially reached out to the Insight Timer community a week before Christmas and said, okay, have you seen that movie Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead or something? No. So it's some Aussie guy who basically was 40 and fat and sick and nearly dead. Um, And so he decided to get a camera and film him driving around America, which has obesity issues generally as a country, drinking juice for 60 days or 90 days or something. And he lost a huge amount of weight. But the point was, and it's a a well-known documentary, you can go and get it on iTunes or whatever. It's like that guy who went and ate McDonald's every day yeah. for 30 days. Have you seen that documentary? I have seen that it's, one. Right. That's pretty gruesome on about day 15, but we won't go into that. <laughs> and so he he basically put himself out there. That was his way of sticking to losing a lot of weight. He says, I'm going to do this publicly. And I thought about that and I thought, okay, why don't I actually send a, a message out to our users and say, I'm going to meditate every day for 2017 and who wants to do it with me well I'll do it together and I did it in a moment of sort of frustration or madness or whatever and went to bed and thought you know there might be a couple hundred people that'll do this and I woke up the next morning I think 15,000 people had signed up oh my gosh Um, and there's now 70,000 people doing it on insight timer every day in 2017 wow so yeah How's that going for you? You have meditated well, okay, every day this so year? I have actually, but um, 
it's not 20 minutes twice a day with Vedic meditation because I really feel quite, how do I say this? I feel quite responsible to make sure that I do it every day, yeah. right? Which is perhaps not the best reason to do it, right? Let's be honest. I'm not sure if actually I've got the best value from my meditation this year because there's another reason why I'm doing it. I'm just being sort of totally honest here, right? And I'm doing it partly for the community as well as myself. So I often ask myself whether or not I'm getting the full benefit of it if I'm doing it for another reason other than just meditating because obviously they say there should be no attachment to your meditation. You're going to have to report back back on that in 2018 when you've got a bit of space from it and you can and – you Well, can... no, I mean obviously the idea is that I <laughs> – we have to keep going into right. You have to. You can't quit now. Um, no, but actually, there has been a, a huge benefit, which I didn't anticipate. Which is because I'm meditating every day, I decided I needed to get some variety into my meditation practice because the twenty minutes twice a day thing was just wearing me down a bit. And so I actually started exploring our app in a lot more detail than I would have done. And I have discovered some of the most amazing origins and teachings and concepts literally that you just can't find anywhere else and that are all on our app because we were going through this process over the year of categorizing all of our content so i've discovered islamic music for example which is a great way in my view some of the melodies in that to meditate to i've discovered kabbalah which is kind of the mystical arm of judaism um, I've delved a lot more deeply into Buddhism. I've done a lot of MBCT stuff. I've discovered some great musicians. And so I definitely take time every day to meditate. But some days it's only 10 minutes. Other days it's, it's not a mantra-based meditation. It's just sitting and contemplating. And so I feel like I've been on this amazing journey over the last 10, nine months of discovering a whole world of stuff I'd never I never knew existed. And all of that's on the app. I have to say, from being an outsider, you were actually committing to 365 days of meditation and me coming across that and seeing that you'd publicly done that. I found it really aspirational. I was like, you know what? Meditation is something I wholeheartedly believe in. I need to take it more seriously. So just as a as a user out there in the world, I want to say that you taking that stand, you putting that stake in the ground has really been a very aspirational action to me. So, Yeah, it's funny because I was in um, – it seems like such a long time ago now, but I was in Mujev for New Year's Eve with my wife and kids and we went out and had a few drinks on New Year's Eve and I remember before I went to bed just this absolute dread that I had to get up in the morning and start – 365 days of meditation. I remember I set New my alarm. New day, I, I love up, it. I was, <laughs> and it was freezing cold outside and I had a hangover. And actually it's turned out to be, it's been a really amazing experience because there's a group on the app where people chime in and say, oh, I missed a day and I'm so annoyed. And everyone jumps in and says, it doesn't matter. It's just not about the goal. It's about just recommitting. Yeah. yeah. And I've met so many interesting people so it's become this really sort of rich experience in my life. Okay, so I'm interested on your take on this question. That when I talk to, because I'm a, a life coach, and if I talk to people or my community about meditation, I almost every time without fail hear the excuse back, I don't have time. 
have you heard that excuse from people and what is your take on that? Well, time's a sort of a manufactured idea really, isn't it? I mean, it's what they mean is I'm organising my day and prioritising other things over meditation. There's that great quote. I don't know if it was Buddha or Maharishi or the Dalai Lama, so just <laughs> I never We can know Google it later. Is, it comes from Instagram. It's everyone should meditate at least once a day, and if you don't have time, you should meditate twice a day. Yeah, I've seen it. And I think it's just so true. I think people that don't have time, and of course they do have time, don't they? They spend an average of an hour and 10 minutes a day on Facebook. And I mean, we're talking about you that you've managed to fit it into your daily life, but here you are, a husband, a CEO, a father. It's not like, it's not like you're sitting around up in a mountaintop. No, I'm not. Um, Look, I think the thing is meditation is contemplative and contemplation by definition is not efficient. And so if you are living by this premise that busy means success, then obviously by definition, contemplation through meditation doesn't fit into that. It's like, what's he doing over there? He's not doing anything. He's meditating. He's just doing nothing. And of course, you are doing a great deal through meditation because you're re-energizing and rewiring the neural patterns in your brain and all these sorts of things. But how do you say that to someone? You and I are having a nice fireside chat here, but it's difficult to communicate that to someone who comes past. I think people have to be ready for meditation. Often I find that they'll reach a breaking point or a tipping point or a crisis and they'll sort of just throw their hands up and say, oh, you know, I need help. And then they're much more susceptible to trying different things. Yeah. I do think the benefits of meditation are experiential. Like you and I, like you're saying, can have this chat. We're both on the same page. We understand. But when you try and explain that to other people, why they should reorganize their day to get those 10 minutes in, they really have to experience the benefits for themselves to understand why they would. Yes, that's right. It's like we're naturally... I was going to say we're naturally cynical, and that that sounds quite cynical. <laughs> I think we're... I think, well, look, if you're busy, then you're not open. You know, if you're running around with your head cut off because you've got to do this, this, and this, then I guess you're not open to new experiences. So, I, yeah, look, I, I don't know what you say to someone who says they're too busy. I, I would find just, that, yeah, what have you got to lose? Give it a go. <laughs> yeah, and I think, well, the other thing is it up until, I believe, Insight Timer, the entry points into meditation were quite steep. Right, it's like I had to go and find a meditation teacher, or I got to go and pay twenty dollars a month to you know do whatever. Just like oh, actually on Insight Timer you can just jump on and play a bit of music, and there'll be a teacher there who says, oh look, if you're new, just spend five minutes doing this. You can actually sort of absorb it bit by bit in your own time. The barriers have been lowered. Yeah. So if someone asks you, someone tells you now, Kate, that they're too busy to meditate, just say. Go to InsightTimer.com. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Since I discovered Insight Timer, and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast because since I discovered it, I have been telling all my clients, like I have been sending out emails going, got to get on Insight Timer. Here you go. Irony was the day I discovered it was a client of mine had just said, I need to find some more guided meditations. I need to get into a space. And she's like, she had just left her job. So she didn't want the financial burden. And I was like, wow, gift from God. Well, the thing is, I mean, I think I said to you at the start of this chat, 
We're getting now about seven or 8,000 people a day downloading the app. And we just, we have no idea where they're coming from. We don't have any money to advertise. All of our money spent paying staff to just keep building the product. And so all we assume is that they're just coming from word of mouth, right? We get teachers who say, oh, I recommend all my students. We get health practitioners who say, I send my clients to your app. But there's a lot of people that download the app now every day and they're coming from somewhere. So maybe half of them are coming from you now, Kate. Thank oh, you fingers very- crossed, you know, here to Thrive listeners, get out there. I want to twist it up a little bit now before we wrap up the interview because I ask yeah. all my guests, Christopher, a bunch of questions. So it's your turn. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Hold tight. This is like the quick fire round. I always do badly in flash quizzes. Okay. This one shouldn't be too hard. It's all about you. Okay. Are you a morning person or a night person? Definitely morning. Although, now that I can't get up and go walking in Bali, I'm slowly becoming a night person with red wine in France, but maybe that will change back. I don't know. No, my morning is much more enjoyable than my evenings. What is currently sitting on your nightstand, or as us Kiwis and Aussies would say, your bedside table? Oh, I'm going to just sound so shallow and wrong and tech now. Um, it's my iPhone charger. So, you know what? Mine is next to my bed as well. You so. wanted me to say incense. I will, no, I didn't. You know, I will confess mine is there too because my husband gets yeah. sick of me waking up every morning yeah. with a with a flat phone. So uh, I, I have mine there too. So it wasn't the case in Bali, but we've just moved into our place. And so we don't, we don't have anything. So it's not like I have some... <laughs> You know, we've just moved in because uh, we've just moved here. So there's my excuse. Did you have no excuse, by the way. Yeah, right. I know. Mine's just there by uh, by design, which is perhaps something I need to think about. What is your favorite activity to take care of yourself? Oh, uh, Easy. Time on my own. Oh, I hear you. I'm like that as well. Favorite book. Is there a book you've read that has changed your life or impacted you in some way? Yes, and I don't know why this book impacted me, but I lived in Florence when I was 25 for a year, for half a year, and I um, read The Agony and the Ecstasy by Irving Stone, which is about Michelangelo and dealing with all of the corrupt popes and his artistic journey, and I just it was an amazing book. Did, what did you feel like you – was it just engrossing or did you feel like you learned anything from it? Well, uh, I haven't asked myself that question before, so just let me think about that. I definitely think because I was living in Florence at the time, the book talks about Michelangelo's experiences while he was actually creating, for example, the Statue of David. And so I would go and see the Statue of David. Mm. I don't know if you've seen the Statue of David, but it is – there's something – not a normal person who made that. I haven't, <laughs> I like, haven't seen it in real life, but I can only imagine reading it and being able to go and experience it firsthand must have deepened the experience. Well, it's just something spiritual about it, you know. It's like the hand is just carved in such a way. And so the book goes into the process of actually taking the Statue of David from outside the stone and revealing it and the complexities of dealing. And the other bit I found very interesting was the complexities of dealing with all of the the popes and the politic and the, the Medici family and the power and the money and all, you know, like it's a really, I don't know why, but I read it. I loved it because I was living in Florence at the time as well. It's just a very interesting book. I haven't seen the movie, by the way. Apparently it was turned into a movie 20 years ago, um, but I never saw it. It might ruin the book. That happens sometimes. Yeah. All right, Christopher, can you remember a time when you took the long road in life and potentially what lessons you learned on the way? Yeah, well, the first two words that jumped to mind are Secure Interactive. So that was my first company that I started. 
it was a website. We were building websites in Australia. I started it when I left uni at 24, I think. Anyway, it grew massively. That was the pre-tech rec days. I don't know if your listeners will remember that. But I had this huge, I had like 50 staff and we were building websites and making a lot of money. And then the tech rec happened. And I woke up one morning and found myself in with $3 million worth of debt because a lot of our clients were tech startups that all went bust. Oh. Um, and so I, I could have actually just let the whole thing go and just called it in and, and called bankruptcy. But the problem was I'd borrowed some money from my mother to try and keep the company afloat before it went broke. And, of course, if you go bankrupt, then everyone loses their money. You can't pay someone back, sort of, you can't favour one debtor over another. And because her loan wasn't a – I don't know if this is too technical, but because her loan wasn't a secured loan, I had to pay everyone back first before I could pay my mother back. Mm. And it took me eight years to pay back $3 million worth of debt, and it nearly killed me, basically. Literally, it was just the most horrendous experience. And in the end, I paid mum back all her money. But at the time, I felt like such a failure – because I essentially was spending so much of my 20s and 30s actually not creating anything. I was just sort of trying to solve Clawing yourself back. Correct. And then I launched another company sort of seven or eight years ago, a ticketing company, which turned out to be quite successful in Australia. I mean, it's still going. But actually what happened, and the only reason I'm saying this is because someone else asked me this question the other day. And what's happened now is... Actually, what I've learned over the last two years while I'm working at Insight Timer is all of the experiences that I learned, which I thought were failures back then, have actually turned out to be sort of the most important assets that I have available to me now because I learned so much about people. I learned so much about debt. I learned so much about turning a dollar 50 different times to get the maximum. But, you know, I, there were so many life lessons that I gained from that experience. But as I was going through it at the time, I was utterly miserable. And now I realize that that life experience was actually given to me so that, I was going to say in preparation for, but that sounds a little bit sort of fatalistic, but readied me for Insight Timer. Insight Timer actually exists today because of that experience I had back then. And it was a very long road to use your language. But now I'm thankful for that experience. I actually now consider the sum total of my experiences a body of work, I don't look back in hindsight as though I wasted that period of time. I'm not sure if there's a lesson in that, but... I think you've explained it though, right? It's that quote from Steve Jobs that like gets me every single time I read it, but that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Right. So you've got okay. to believe there in you something. Go. You have to have faith that the dots will connect sometime. Well, I always loved as well, I have heard him once in an audio talk, a podcast talk about his time at uni when he was interested in calligraphy and he wasn't a paying student at uni. He was a bit naughty in that way. So he would go and sit at the back of the class and studied calligraphy and felt a little bit guilty that it might be wasting his time. But of course, it was those classes that Steve Jobs did in calligraphy that meant the MacBooks and the computers that he produced had these beautiful fonts, right? That was what taught him about aesthetic and the importance of the intersection of art and science. And, you know, looking back, I guess he could connect the dot to his calligraphy class and the products that he was building. I'm sure. I mean, I've got the same thing that's happened in my experience. Some things that I thought were deviations that I now just look back and go, wow, that just was the perfect training that I couldn't have bought in a package if I had tried where sure. I am now. Yeah. 
Okay. So there you go. What is one thing in your day you can't do without? Coffee. Oh, I, f- I feel you too. <laughs> we are kindred spirits. And yeah. how would you describe the soul? Jeez, these aren't like just. <laughs> They're not quick fire, am I mean? Like <laughs> this is this is fireside chatting, Christopher. Yeah, uh, I'm buying myself time. Um, You're wishing you had the glass of red wine to to have a little sip to ponder uh, right now, aren't you? But, so I think the soul is whatever that thing is that makes us curious. I have to think about that. Meaning, whatever. Whatever is that thing that causes us to ask the question why has to be – I'm not sure if that is that is the soul or that's where the soul resides. I mean, an animal doesn't ask a question why. And what I, the reason why I kind of <laughs> think I'm right, if I may, is because that applies equally to secular and scientific as well as spiritual and religious people. Scientists, for example – although a lot of people might say that they're highly analytical and highly focused on data points and what can be quantified. Obviously, you can't quantify the soul. But actually, they probably have the greatest souls of all because something drives them to just constantly and obsessively look for answers. You know, there's no one more curious than a scientist, I guess. And what I like about that is a scientist isn't essentially someone that you might naturally describe as soulful or spiritual, but in actual fact they probably really are because they're constantly asking the question why. Oh, I like that. I really like that answer. Yeah. All right, I'll, leave you, I'll let you off the hook on the uh, deep and meaningful ones. And um, in summary, uh, I've got just yeah. a couple more questions to ask you, but what is your hope for Insight Timer, Christopher? That's an easy one. A big platform that means all of those meditation teachers out there now who are currently doing their job part-time can actually do this full-time. I think it's a very functional objective, but that's really important to us. We want to give teachers the ability to actually really go deeper on this because if we're going to dismantle ignorance, teachers need time to consider their own teachings and their own thinkings and to actually get that out to a big audience. And they need to get paid if they can do this full-time, right? The poverty model doesn't work. That's the first one. The second one is we want to see if we can hit the Maharishi effect. So if we give meditation away to everyone for free, can we get 1% of the world meditating at the same time, which would be 80 million people? Mm-hmm. So that's like a big goal. And the third one is we want to bring, we want to create a company if we do those two things, right? So if we've got a big, vibrant community of teachers getting paid and we've got a big, vibrant community of people meditating for free, then actually what we might have done accidentally although it's not accidental because it's one of our third objectives, is we might have created a model for other people to emulate, which is a company that is both consciously and commercially aligned. Oh. You know, my next question was going to be, what is your hope for the world? I think if we all leave the place better than when we found it, we'll be okay. And I don't think we're doing that right now. I think that the Indigenous cultures did that. In fact, they didn't really – well – by definition, they, they didn't do anything because they sort of didn't evolve, if you like, for 40,000 years. And so, therefore, the planet was in good shape when they left. But I really think that's what we need to do. We need to leave the place better than we found it. So everyone needs to kind of pick something. And I'm not talking about solving differences. Of, like we can't solve everything. I think this is one of the problems today is we all sort of throw our hands up with worry and say, my God, it's all just <laughs> – it's all, it's all really too hard. Deep. Yeah. And so just pick something. 
right? For us, it's getting free meditation out to everyone. For others, it might be less plastic in the oceans. For others, it might be equality in income. Or for others, I mean, no, for others, it might be, you know, the promotion of more artistic pursuits. I don't know what it is, but, but I just think I everyone's like got to pick something and go for it. There's 80, there's 8 billion of us. So if we all pick something and where our aim is to leave the world a better place, we'll have an impact. Yeah. yeah, well, then, you know, humanity will go on. I don't know. I mean, that's, I have two kids, so I have to think that that's, that's kind of what we should be doing. All right, the final question, and then I'll let you go on with your, your your evening. Sure. If you could leave the listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? For that, I would go to my favorite quote, which is by Mark Twain, which is, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened, which basically means we spend a lot of time feeling guilty, meaning we live in the past, or a lot of times feeling anxious, meaning we're living in the future. But both of these pursuits are big time waste. Just live in the present. Most of the stuff you worry about probably won't eventuate. And if it does, you'll probably deal with it when it happens. So don't get caught up in the past or the future. Don't be guilty or anxious. Just actually focus on doing the right thing right now. I hope you enjoyed those conversations. I really did enjoy my time speaking with Christopher. And I'm still enjoying Insight Timer just as much as when I first found it. There are endless hours worth of discovering to be done on the app and teachers are constantly updating with new material. It truly is amazing. So go and find it. Search in the App Store or where you get your apps from and download it ASAP. Another little feature I love on the Insight Timer is the simple timer that I use for my silent meditations. It's the best one I've come across. So I personally vouch for this. I'm so impressed. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love if you could jump over and leave Here to Thrive some stars in the review tab and wherever you listen. If you're on iTunes and need a quick and easy way to find it, just type in www.thrive.how forward slash review into your browser. If you'd like to learn more about me and the Here to Thrive podcast and my coaching offerings, head over to www.thrive.how, H-O-W. Till next week, when I come back with another dose of inspiration, keep thriving.